Welcome to the Fantasy Finish Line podcast. This is episode 15, The Rookie Update. Guys, welcome again to another episode of Fantasy Finish Line, and we are in week 14, or approaching it. Technically, I guess we're we're in week 14 now. I think so. We're in... It's uh, a safe assumption. ...in deployment mode. So uh, tonight is Tuesday, most leagues uh, waiver wire evenings, where they go through at some point during the uh, middle of the night and early morning tomorrow. And then we will uh, be seeing how the matchups uh, fare going into the first week of the fantasy playoffs, again, in most leagues. I am in one league, for example, that um, it, it actually goes until week 14 ends for the regular season, and then they have 15, 16, where only four people make the playoffs. I think most uh, leagues are, whether they're 10 or 12, uh, still have six teams making it, so you need those three weeks. Yeah, that's pretty common. I think that um, you know it's appropriate to award the best couple of teams, whether it's Division winners are just the top of the league with a bye. You know, I, I like that sort of format. And uh, today we're joined by Sean Foss, who is our college football expert, writes a column each week called The Rookie Report. He's been with us for a number of years, so Sean, say hi to the lovely people out there. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. And for Thanks those for coming back. For those of you who haven't heard of Sean or, or don't know what he's about, why don't you give us a little background about how long you've been playing fantasy and uh, and how you got into uh, watching the NFL and college football in what order, I guess, uh, all that stuff happened. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've been watching football since I was a kid. Um, you know, I mean, I couldn't tell you exactly when I started. I was The age was definitely in the single digits. October 14th, <laughs> 1987. Uh, no, I grew up, I grew up watching uh, Michigan college football uh, and... I grew up rooting for the Lions as a kid, but the Lions were not on national TV a whole lot when I grew up in Chicago. So I kind of enjoyed uh, the 49ers and the Eagles growing up. Randall Cunningham and Jerry Rice were probably my two favorite players, and that kind of shaped a lot of my rooting interests as I grew up as you know, what I watched when I was a kid. Um, but um, I've been playing fantasy probably since I was in high school. Okay. Um, and yeah, obviously that's, uh, I mean, I'm an old man these days, sort of. So that's, I've been playing probably for the last 15 to 17 years ish. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I only picked up fantasy football about 10 years ago now. Well, that's quite a while. I would, I would say that uh, you could consider someone a veteran in, uh, in fantasy football if they've been playing for about, uh, maybe eight or 10 years at this point, since it was really only around, uh, in its full form since the late 1980s. It sounds like you joined in around that time, which is pretty amazing. Well, I mean, I'm, that was not 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, 80s. yeah. You mean you're not, uh, 20, uh, 23 years old? No, actually, now that, I, no, now that I think about it, it was probably late 90s was the first fantasy league I would have done. And it would have been through Yahoo. I think Yahoo had a bunch of free leagues and things like that going on then. Uh, but that would have been the first So just like I a pickup league, a public league, basically? Yeah. Or was I mean, it with your buddies? Uh, I think I did both, public and a couple with some, some friends at high school. And what's um, the oldest fantasy league you've been in with, like, the same guys? Honestly, the oldest one is probably the leagues that we're in, which are about, what, five years old now? Okay, yeah, uh, the Drink 5 League is in its yeah. sixth year right now. 
Yeah, I think so that that's, would probably that's be probably my it. longest current, longest running one. I did a keeper league with some friends that lasted three or four years when I was in high school and into college. Can you believe we've been doing this for six years now? Yeah, that's I can. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I'm older now. We've got uh, a number of, of beers with us tonight, as we always do, and uh, I wanted to touch on what we're drinking now, and we'll 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 kind of have an interlude, I guess, uh, when we open up a new one. A couple bombers that are not open, but what I'm currently drinking is they the will be a surprise. Exactly, is the Lagunitas to little. Me even I don't even know what we have. The little something something ale, which is always one. Of my favorite 7.5 percent alcohol and it tastes so delicious i noticed that you guys all have a different beer out so why don't you start off by telling us what you're drinking and what you think of it well I'll, I'll, I'll jump in because mine is also seven and a half percent oh perfect uh, it is it is bell's roundhouse it is an india red ale brewed with honey and it is delicious if you've had bell's beer uh you know they're pretty good i would recommend roundhouse if you you know, if you're looking for something new to try by Bells, it's delicious. Excellent. I have in my hands maybe my favorite seasonal beer of the entire year every year is the Sierra Nevada 2017 Celebration Ale. It is a fresh hop IPA. Um, this one, unfortunately, only clocks in at 6.8%. So I'll have to, you know, drink a little bit more to keep up with you guys, I guess. <laughs> it's um, funny because it's an IPA, which you don't think of for Christmas beers, but it tastes like Christmas. Well, because they, they take the fresh harvested hops and they don't dry them out. They use the fresh hops in the beer instead of the kind of dried out pellets that they normally would use. This is a commercial for Sierra Nevada, I see. This beer is amazing. We have uh, unofficially sponsored other breweries before. This is no different. I what? highly recommend this yeah, beer. My favorite Christmas beer, period. <laughs> mm. And it's not a Christmas ale. That is a style. It's, it's, it's a winter It's a but winter this beer. But beer, this is a beer that comes out this time of year every year. So that's why it's a seasonal because they only do it once a year. Excellent. So it, it is the fantasy playoffs, uh, at least in all of our leagues or most of them. Like I said, there was one that's uh, an aberration that I'm in. I think everybody else is kind of doing the 14, 15, 16 format. And so it is week one of the fantasy playoffs, the most important if you don't have a bye. Um, I think all of us are in a couple of, uh, of playoffs, which is great. So I, I wish uh, all the luck to you guys. And we're going to try to pass on some of that information to you guys listening out there. So let's uh, go ahead and move on to the good stuff. I like that music. That's good. So who are we listening to today, Jason? Uh, so far, you too. You know, they just released an album, and I'm definitely not like advertising for them. They're just a good band, and a lot of the stuff they did before Sean even started playing fantasy football is pretty good. You're saying you're not sponsored by Sierra Nevada and you too, uh, right? I would say that since I Sean started playing fantasy football, you two <laughs> has not been uh, writing the greatest music, but you know, they're still a good band. Fair enough. Uh, news and updates from week 13. Let's go through a couple stories, get your guys' take on those before we move on to uh, to some rookie report stuff and some of my uh, favorite stuff to cover when we have Sean on the show. So, number one, uh, Eli Manning back as a starter after being ditched by Ben McAdoo and company. Now, McAdoo is out in the cold. Eli Manning is back as the starter. And it sucks for Eli that they've ruined such a long starting streak to just to bring him back in because it was all kind of the coach's deal. Do you guys agree with that, that it's really all McAdoo and they should have just dumped him from the beginning? Uh, 
Absolutely. In the words of uh, my favorite webcomic guy, and you'll correct me, I'm sure, here, Dave Rapocchio? Rapocchio? Sure. Um, <laughs> fuck the Giants. Yeah, shout out to uh, the Draw Play. Yeah, uh, the Draw a, Play guys is great. That's a great fantasy-themed comic, and there's only a couple out there on the net, but this is clearly the best, so, so check out his stuff. Um, but yeah, the outlook for the Giants fantasy players in the fantasy playoffs, I'm wondering, you're seeing Engram have uh, this really big volume, and Shepard is now back and healthy, and when Eli and Shepard have connected in the past, has resulted in a lot of targets. I think it was 10 or 11. Uh, it, I think that's it might be per game or over a two-game stretch. Yeah. But regardless, he's going to pepper both those guys with targets. Do you think that Eli, Shepard, or Engram are guys that are fantasy relevant in their next few matchups from... Dallas to Philadelphia to uh, Arizona. Eli Mamie is a back-end QB2, but definitely uh, Shepard and Ingram are going to be in your lineup. Ingram especially, there are uh, you're missing Gronk this week, and wasn't there another tight end that got injured? Um, Fedorowicz is the only one I yeah, think pops Yeah, so mind. never mind. But, it, but um, definitely people with Gronk are going to need to find a fill-in. Clearly, Evan Ingram may not be it, but uh, if you're lucky, you can uh, try. Well, he, he's going to be owned everywhere, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, but yeah, if he's available, <laughs> you need to grab but him. But he just moves further up the tight end list. Is all I'm saying, really. That you know, he's clearly going to be fantasy relevant this week. He's one of the ten best guys you could be starting. Yeah, and I I fully endorse Sterling Shepard anytime he's the number one receiver and Eli Manning is starting. I agree with you that Eli is more low end. Uh, he's probably the least. Um, attractive fantasy option of the group. Yeah. Um, Shepard should be really nice the next two weeks. I'd be a little hesitant to play him in the fantasy championship because he'll probably draw a well, lot next of week Patrick they're Peterson. Going, and next week against Philly, I mean, let, let's Philly, see how Eli and Shepard hook up yeah, this week. Philly, Philly can be thrown on. Uh, I'd be more worried about Patrick Peterson in the championship week than I am sure, Philly sure. or Dallas the next two weeks. And Engram should be worth playing all three of those weeks. Um, what, just to go back really quickly, I disagree that it's all Bob McAdoo. Or, all right, um, tell I keep calling him Bob. His actual name is, is Ben. Uh, Bob McAdoo used to play in the NBA years and years ago. But Tell us your thoughts, sir. Uh, oh, no. I, I think that the whole organization screwed it up. The only Here's the thing. We knew McAdoo was not going to be back next year weeks ago. Yeah. Several weeks ago. That was clear. There is no way that the team allows him to bench Eli without the GM and the owner fully signing off on it. I to put the whole blame on McAdoo seems silly to me. I think everyone deserves a little bit of blame, but at the, at the end of the day, he was never going to catch Favre in terms of consecutive games played. I don't see why it's a huge deal that the streak ended. Well, I'm just confused why they wouldn't continue uh, to start Geno and see what they have with their uh, with their younger quarterback. If if that really is the case, that the whole organization doesn't believe in Eli going forward, why immediately go back? It just seems like you know uh, backtracking there is not going to help you. They're not like the Giants are going to start doing well and make the playoffs. No, I, I think the GM and coach both pushed for it, and I think the owner kind of just went along. I think the owner ultimately realized with how it was received by the fans that it was the wrong move, and that's why they're going back to Eli. So McAdoo was, he like broke into the owner's house and stood over his bed and like whispered uh, into his ear, Eli should be benched, Eli should maybe, be benched. Maybe Jerry Reese did that, but I don't <laughs> think McAdoo had the authority to do anything of the sort. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't... And then they're basically then using this as an excuse to make... McAdoo, the scapegoat. Well, McAdoo was already going to be gone. Though, yeah, exactly, like, he was no, already going to be gone. Reese, Reese was also fired, and I think that I think Reese probably had a bigger hand in it than McAdoo. Yeah, but it, I mean, it goes all the way to the top, in my opinion. Fair yeah, enough, but it's got to. But getting back on uh, on the fantasy track, we think we all agree that Shepard and Ingram are very much 
going to be uh, uh, good targets to to start each week if you have those guys on your lineup. Um, there's trade deadlines have normally passed in fantasy leagues. They're not going to be on waiver wires for the most part. Um, unless they are, in which case you need to pick them up. So what's up with the Eagles offense playing a Seattle Seahawks team that has a bunch of injuries on defense in the secondary and otherwise? They were obviously expected to at least perform on an average level, yeah. but but they didn't. And the score of 24-10, to 10, which is a stat that I kind of like, reflects the fewest amount of points that the Eagles have scored in an NFL game since September 20th, 2015. So... Why is it that this game against uh, a struggling defense that the Eagles weren't able to put it together? Was it really just uh, you know that that twelfth man uh, in, in the uh, you, in the you, stands? Yeah, right off the uh, you know off the air, you had the best insight into this game, and that Chris Pratt won the game for the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks. Chris Pratt showed up, and the Eagles just crumbled. Maybe right? it was Bobby Wagner who had an amazing <laughs> game on defense. But probably mostly Chris Pratt. But seriously, are, are they falling apart a little offensively? Um, they have the Rams, Giants, and Raiders as matchups going forward. The Rams might be a little difficult, but it seems like the Giants and the Raiders should be pretty easy games for the Eagles to score against. So do you think that there's issues here? Or do you think that this is one of those games that you should just uh, you know burn the tape and, and, and start all your Eagles? I think it was a one-game aberration. Uh, I think it's it's not something to look at and say the Eagles are in trouble. Scary for teams that like maybe didn't make the playoffs or lost a bye or you know whatever uh, sure. in fantasy world. Sure, but I mean they yeah. they were behind the whole game. Um, Seattle got in front early. Uh, they also fumbled the ball into the end zone and lost one uh, mm-hmm. when they looked like they were going to score a touchdown. They, that would have really changed the game. That very well could have. Yeah. I mean. Carson Wentz played great. He had a couple of highlight reel plays in this game. Um, I think that this was a case of Seattle's defense has sort of uh, rebounded from getting all the injuries. Not that they've gotten their guys back, but the guys who are in there now are playing better. They've gelled better. Their stars that they have left are playing very well. Um, You know, uh, Bobby Wagner is not a household name, but he is a Super Bowl MVP, and he is now the best. Yeah, he won on their first Super Bowl. He was the MVP. No? No, that was Malcolm Smith. The Was he the other linebacker? Yes. Okay. <laughs> he currently plays for, I believe, the 49ers. He went to the Raiders and then the 49ers since there. Wagner did not win Super Bowl MVP. I believe it was Malcolm Smith, if mm. I'm not mistaken. Anyways, um, that doesn't mean that Bobby Wagner isn't a good player. My whole point is that Seahawks' defense is better. Going in there now is going to be a little bit tougher. They just got beat two games in a row, which never happens up there. So I think they're kind of mad about that. Um, they were able to beat the Eagles. I would be wary. You know, they're, they're not eliminated from the division yet. If they get to host a home game in the playoffs, you know, look out. Yeah, no, Seattle, I mean, they gave themselves some breathing room in the playoff race, uh, especially with Atlanta losing as well. Um, I think Seattle's in a really good spot to, uh, to take the, 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 at the very least, the last wild card spot. They could absolutely still overtake St. Louis, or I keep saying St. Louis, but L.A., the Rams, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Rams, for the division, which would really make them dangerous in the playoffs. I worry about their O-line still, but they're still capable. Russell Wilson is probably the league MVP this year. Yeah. Okay, uh, the Saints are still marching on, of course. We had a podcast actually named that a couple weeks ago, and that's when we started to delve into this r- really good connection with uh, Ingram, Kamara, Drew Brees, the whole offense, Sean Payton finally getting his 2009 flavor together. Um, fantastic stuff. And it looks like uh, there's an injury update here on Ingram, who has an injury to his toe, didn't practice on Tuesday. Um, he really doesn't have any time to practice and get back on the field. But just like in Antonio Brown, for example. Maybe he's got the same thing as Antonio 
Antonio Brown and he'll only get 100 yards. If you have swelling, <laughs> if you have swelling and you're a veteran guy like Ingram or Brown are, and I, I'm not comparing them because they're different positions, obviously. But if if you're a veteran guy who's been playing for a long time, you can still play on Thursday. However, what we should talk about is one, those guys that have Ingram as as one of their main running backs because he's been doing really well this year. Uh, what do you do if he's not going to play? How do you prepare for that? And two, if Kamara is the is the guy in the backfield by himself, does he go for like 200 yards and two touchdowns? Because I feel like that he's already had breakout games. This could be a super breakout game. Um, so I'm interested to see. I'm looking it up right now. Who is the backup for Ingram? Honestly, since they traded Adrian Peterson away, I'm not even sure who that is. They don't is. have like a short yardage backup guy really for him. Okay. Well, I still don't th- – I don't think that they're going to feed Kamara – uh, the ball that much, like a lot more than they're already giving it to him. I can't, I, I just don't see uh, Sean Payton like making that kind of change with him. He would want to stick, I think, with the sort of, um, I don't know, maybe not. They, you know, I agree with you. The, the way they're playing is a good is a good way to play. He has that already figured out. Uh, Ingram really beats up on people, and then Kamara goes in and runs and, and has these little short passes in space, and nobody can do anything about it. Uh, Kamara could play the whole game, maybe, but he's one of those guys that um, he probably shouldn't. It's nice for him to go out when he has somebody else there as well. So here's who they have. They have Trey Edmonds. Trey Edmonds would be the next guy in line. Okay, and then Jonathan Williams. He's out, though, I believe. He's on IR or something. Yeah, I mean, he's way down on the list. And they also have a fullback, Zach Line. So they could have one of those guys do the short yardage job. Interestingly, I, I would expect Trey Edmonds will see some snaps if Ingram doesn't play. I think Kamara sees a bump, but I don't think he all suddenly handles thirty touches. I think he goes from you know fifteen a game to around twenty in this game, and Trey Edmonds handles the rest. Um, but he's not Trey Edmonds isn't a guy you would spot start if if you if Ingram was out probably right because he's kind of an unknown. No, you commodity. kind of assume that Kamara is going to be doing most of the work unless unless you were desperate in a really deep league. I mean, the Falcons are not a good run defense. They're in Football Outsiders DVOA stat, which measures defensive efficiency. They rank thirty first against the run. Um, so I mean, if you were a little desperate, I could see playing a guy like Edmonds as a plug in in a really deep league, but I wouldn't want to do it. Okay, Alex Smith had another big game, but what's up with the Chiefs offense this season? Uh, can we count on the Smith to Hill connection in the playoffs, or will they go back down to the depths of fantasy mediocrity? Uh, they have the Raiders, Chargers, and Dolphins on upcoming matchups. Now, Chargers are not great as far as a, a matchup for a passing defense uh, for Alex Smith and the Chiefs, but the Raiders and Dolphins defenses are definitely ones that you can throw against. So, do you think that Alex Smith will continue to, to step up from his last game's production? Uh, will we see some Kareem Hunt? Or is the Chiefs offense one you really just don't want to depend on on a week-by-week basis? Uh, I, don't, I don't feel confident in anything that the Chiefs have done over the last month and a half. Um, I mean, you mentioned that you know they have reasonable defenses that you can target coming up. But they've had a lot of those. The Giants, the Bills. They've played a bunch of teams that have not played good defense this year. And they should have done better. Yeah, produced. Yeah, yeah. So one big game out of Alex Smith doesn't make me suddenly say, I trust in, in Alex Smith, I trust in Tyree Kill, and we still haven't seen a bounce back from Kareem Hunt. They need to dedicate themselves to being able to run the football again because they've, they've been handing the Kareem Hunt about 12 times a game, I think, over the last month or so. You've got to get that guy more touches than they've been getting him if you want to continue to be less predictable on offense. I mean, teams know they're just throwing. 
especially after halftime. His carries after the after halftime have been just next to nothing. I, I think that the Chiefs are have, have shown a lot of improvement just over the last week. They made a big change calling the plays. So it seems now, uh, I was listening to a beat reporter from Kansas City talk this morning. Uh, basically, Andy Reid is still doing the play installs and scripting the first 15 to 20 plays in the game. But after that, the play calls throughout the game are being done by their offensive coordinator now, um, which I think showed a lot of improvement. Last week, they were able to throw the ball really effectively. Like They got the, the scripted stuff in against with the tight end, which is what Andy Reid, I think, really likes to force the team to do. But then you know later on, when they needed to open it up and come back, uh, from a deficit, they were able to do that because they had Tyreek Hill in the right place. And Tyreek Hill is the f- number three wide receiver in standard scoring this year. So he's got to be, obviously, I don't think anybody was saying we got to sit him, but... Do you have Tyreek Hill on your teams? I do have Tyreek Hill on a couple of teams. He's one of the reasons why they're in the playoffs. I'm not discounting what you're saying. I'm just saying. Uh, there's, there's, uh, it's really nice to see him have those big games, but there are games where he doesn't score a whole lot. But why is that? Well, he is more of a feast or famine kind of guy. Um, you know, I mean, that's just what you're going to get out of him. But I feel like you got to play him because, you know, he's scoring three points or he's scoring, you know, 15 or more. Yeah, I. you mentioned the, the new, head co- the new uh, play calling. Uh, they got their scripted plays to the tight end and then went to Hill later. Yeah. The tight end had three catches for 90 yards and two touchdowns in the first couple drives. And they stopped throwing them the football. How is that the best offensive strategy you can come up with is to not throw the ball to Travis I'm sure that was part of the script. And and I think what they really need to do is what you were saying, is work Kareem Hunt back into the game more uh, unless he's really hit a rookie wall and they're trying to hide him. I don't think he has. I, well, I mean, you mentioned again. Well, I, I, they, they quit he has running to the have ball. climbed over that wall by now. They that, quit running the ball in the second half, and I don't think it has to do with him being fatigued. It's I probably think it's more game situation. Calling. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I think that, they, like Dave was saying, you know they got easy defenses two of the next three weeks. They never trailed the Jets by more than one score, and I think Kareem Hunt had two carries in the second half. Yeah, I, I could see an argument for maybe sitting Hill next week, but I would not sit him this week. I, I think that they're going to be able to score points just like they did last week. Well, I mean, the Raiders are an abysmal pass defense. Exactly. I would love it if this was the week Mahomes made his debut because I think it would be a great spot can to you, start a Can you game. guys give me your predictions for Alex Smith's stats this week uh, individually? My predictions? Yeah. I would say that he's probably going to get uh, 300 yards and two or three touchdowns. I, I think he's going to have another game like he had last week. 220 yards and maybe two touchdowns. One to two touchdowns. So a lot of a lot of difference there, uh, and it all has to do with Alex Smith, really, right? It's if Alex Smith plays well, then so does the offense as far as Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, so goes the offense, cetera. of course. I and mean, if and if he doesn't, then you know you you would fall back on your running back, except the running back is uh, either hitting that rookie wall, like you said, or or some bad game situations for the Chiefs. So it's tough. Obviously, we are not agreed here. I'm somewhere in the middle of you guys. So it's apparent to me that the Chiefs are, are just a sort of a bungle of a situation. It's tough to determine uh, whether or not they're going to do well. But I would say if, if you're going to play them at all, um, uh, those guys, you need to play them in 15 and 16 when they have those good matchups. And it, it, 14 and 16. Yeah, and 15, week 15 against the Chargers might be pretty difficult. 
Yeah, especially for Tyreek Hill. If you're going to play any... I mean, you're not going to sit Kelsey. i got to say, like, even Tyreek Hill, like, on a team where you got to be stacked at wide receiver to consider sitting him, even against the Chargers. Well, then you're talking about floor or, or ceiling players. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I get well, that. You well, may want to start a Cooper Cup over him because you need the floor points. Yeah. Well, you mentioned he's a feast or famine guy, and on the entire he season, two wide receivers all year have hit 85 yards against the Chargers. Two. And they're Odell Beckham and then Josh Gordon in his first game back. Devontae Parker also had 85 yards. Did he? I've seen... The stat that had been thrown around, which I found kind of clever the way it got worded, is that uh, nobody had more... There was only one guy who had more yardage. Yeah, this was a BuzzFeed uh, fantasy uh, football statistic. Yeah. But but yeah, three guys, three guys. And still, that's pretty impressive on the Chargers. Gordon hit 85 on the dot, too. Yeah. Yeah, so they were both 85 on the dot. So more than Gordon was only Odell. So the stat was true, but it was a little misleading because there was three, and it's worded like there was three. And I think maybe it had to do with being matched up with the corner, so maybe that corner wasn't matched up against Parker in that game, but I don't know why he wouldn't be because Parker's the same style receiver. I I know that Gordon definitely matched up with Casey Hayward, which is their their number one corner without with uh, because Verrett's been on IR most of the season. Okay, well let's move on. So Tom Brady didn't win any fantasy matchups last week. Uh, losing Gronkowski probably won't help him any either, and it seems like they're focusing a little bit on the ground with this combination of Lewis and Burkhead that's doing super well. Now, granted, some of those things are to Lewis and Burkhead especially are going to be short passes, especially with Gronk out. I think you're going to see more of those little uh, backfield uh, um, uh, kinds of passes to Burkhead, etc. But regardless of that, um, do you think that they're they're purposely trying to save Brady's arm for the playoffs by running these kinds of schemes, or do you think it's just the kind of the way that the game has been going? And what's the outlook on Brady and Cooks coming up with the matchups of Miami, Pittsburgh, Buffalo? Um, to me, it seems like the matchups are fine for them with the with the possible uh, um, comeback um, of some injuries from Pittsburgh. There, there may be uh, a good defense there, but Miami and Buffalo don't seem to uh, equip to put up a fight against New England. Sure, but as you had said um, a couple weeks ago against Pittsburgh, they are very susceptible to long passes to wide receivers. We saw that again last night against yep. A.J. Green. Mm-hmm. So I think Cooks will be in a good matchup against Pittsburgh. I think maybe this week, with a real big focus on the running game, uh, it might be more like last week where you know they're going to throw the ball 15 times maybe. No, I agree. I think uh, Tom Brady, although you have to play him, I think, it might not be the best choice this week, Brady and Cooks, because I think they're going to focus again on the Lewis and Burkhead and the ground game and the short passes and not so much on those long passes. So, crazy theory. Here's me speculating for Belichick, which is the worst thing you could possibly do. Right, as soon as you try to figure (laughs) out what he's going to do, you're going to be wrong. Yeah. But, you know, bad matchup this week for Brady in terms of what we expect him to produce. You know, start Alex Smith this week, start Brady next week. Not that you're going to If you have both, both start Brady this week. If yep. you have Alex Smith and Tom Brady, start Tom I'm Brady. I'm not sure you can week. start you can start Smith over Brady. You can <laughs> ever. If you have Brady, if you have Brady, do not sit him this week. Uh, hang on, I'm going to do a shot with these gentlemen before I finish my thought. <laughs> so uh, so Brady and Smith. Hmm. Yes. One of them's the goat. I disagree with you guys on Brady not being a good play this week. The big key with the Patriots... Well, I'm not saying that. We're talking about game scheme, but but you can disagree with that. They don't ever... It's not we're going to rely on the run game or we're going to rely on... They target what the other team doesn't defend well. They play to the matchups. And prior to facing the awful Broncos passing attack and Trevor Simeon this past week, the Dolphins had given up 10 passing touchdowns in the previous three games. I'm telling you, Tom Brady's going to come out... Look, without Gronk, the running backs are going to catch more passes, maybe even than usual. 
Unless by some miracle Chris Hogan suddenly reappears, which I don't expect to happen. <laughs> um, so they're going to be a factor. The running backs are still going to be good fantasy plays, but Brady yeah. will throw multiple touchdown passes this week. Miami's given up the. I would put money on it. Points. He will throw more than one touchdown pass this week. Okay. All he right. had none last week, right? He had zero last week. He okay. was an awful fantasy play. No, totally. I know because it helped keep me out of a fantasy playoff. <laughs> oh, that's rough. But, but I really trust that he's going to have a strong week this week against Miami. So let's talk about Josh Gordon. So Josh Gordon came back and made you a know, splash. Sorry, I just had one last thought. It'll be Tom Brady throwing to the running backs. Yeah, oh, sure. Burkhead, Burkhead's <laughs> will both be right. Burkhead's going to catch two touchdowns instead of run for two touchdowns, probably. Yeah, and, right. and from Brady's perspective, there's not really that much of a difference there uh, between a handoff and a, and a pass to a guy like Burkhead who's just always surrounding the quarterback in some uh, way or yeah, another. Yeah. So uh, it is it is one of those toss-of-the-coin situations, right, where it could be a short pass, it could be a little handoff. Depends on the, on the scheme and the defensive line. So Josh Gordon came back and made a splash. But he required a lot of targets to do well. Now, a lot of that has to be chalked up to the fact that uh, him and Deshaun Kaiser don't have a huge chemistry yet. He didn't practice with the team for a really long time. He was out of football for three years. He still managed to put up 85 yards uh, and be one of those guys that made a difference in, um, in fantasy leagues. Uh, those people that picked him up hoping for him to be good in the playoffs, I know Sean has something to say about this. Four of 11 targets, that should change a little bit more to a better ratio for him going forward, and he's obviously the number one guy. So let's give our thoughts, uh, starting with Jason, on Josh Gordon, uh, whether or not he's going to be a difference maker in the fantasy playoffs, and regardless of what you think about the Browns, they're certainly going to have to throw the ball. Right. I mean, they play Green Bay this week. Green Bay's been giving up big passing plays. Um, so I totally expect Josh Gordon to have a much improved game. Look for, you know, the targets may go down a little bit, but it'll be because he's catching the ball. They won't have to throw it, you know, on three downs in a row. It'll just be, you know, first down, first down, first down. Um, you know, Josh Gordon, I, I was skeptical. I wasn't. I wasn't confident that he was a good fantasy start against the Chargers because of how good their defense is. Mm-hmm. I'm still clearly not going to be sold on Deshaun Kaiser. Um, so having a poor quarterback is always going to hurt him, similar to maybe like a De- DeAndre Hopkins last year. But you look at DeAndre Hopkins this year, and he's doing just fine. Larry Fitzgerald is doing just fine. So I think Josh Gordon can do just fine with a Deshaun Kaiser throwing in the ball. You need that time, too, with the quarterback and the receiver. Like, yeah. for example, uh, Savage did play a game last year, but he played like a game and a half, and that was it. Now he's playing more. He's matched up with him more. He has more practice time with the first squad. So they're yeah. doing better. Uh, and I, I, I know look, that Blaine Gabbert's been in for a couple of weeks. He's, he had a big game with Fitzgerald finally. Say what you will about Gordon, but I do think he lines up with uh, some of the best athletic talents in the league, like Hopkins and Jones and Calvin Johnson. And well, that's why he's put I up those numbers. Use those names. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And your thoughts? Uh, I, for one, I'm a I'm a big fan of Gordon this week, but I I do think that the accuracy issues of Kaiser are going to be an issue. Yeah. Um, I don't think the 4 of 11 is fully just a lack of chemistry. I think it's some of it is just Kaiser can be inaccurate at times. And so it's still right. going he to take... he was open and he wasn't hitting him. Sure. Um, but I also think some of the targets may go back to Corey Coleman this week too, but Green Bay in general is a really not great secondary. Uh, much worse than what they faced last week in the Chargers. And Josh Gordon, talent-wise is probably still a top 10 or top 15 wide receiver in the NFL. And again, I would agree with that. And, um, so I expect and him, I'm going to quote you when you said really not great. 
Um, <laughs> I think I think if you have Gordon, unless you have three stud wide receivers or whatever to fill, however many spots you have for wide receivers, you have to play him. Yeah, he slots in a WR two or WR three. I think easy. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, unless unless you're sitting on you know like Tyree Kill as your wide receiver three yeah. or you know someone that you really like as your th- as your last wide receiver, I think you have to plug in Gordon. Well, it was like if, if you would send them a Christmas card, then maybe you don't put Gordon in for them. That kind of a relationship. I mean, if if you he if gets a been, card this year, if they've been important enough to your team that you're sending them a Christmas card, you can't send that guy. Right. But if you win like over, I need the, to send Le'Veon Bell a Christmas. If card. If you win like over five hundred dollars in a fantasy championship, then I feel like you should send the player like a like some kind of a greetings or salutation. I, if I like ran into one of these guys at a bar, I would totally buy them a beer. If I had and just played, be like, thank you for that week fourteen game last year when you had. I bet they get that all the time. The yeah. If yeah. I had played Rex Burkhead in all of my leagues that I had him last week, I'd be all. For giving that guy a Christmas card. <laughs> right. Antonio Brown doesn't have to buy drinks anymore because of all the fantasy championships he's won. Yeah. Uh, so, and now for something completely different. Oh my goodness! That was that was definitely completely different. For those of you not familiar with Monty Python, please go check it out. Wonderful, wonderful series. Um, we're gonna switch gears to the rookie report, and we're gonna grab a bomber, and we'll yes. announce uh, what's up there. But again, Sean Foss here joining us, our college expert, uh, writes the rookie report column, and and this guy is fantastic. If there are any uh, players that you want to shout out. Um, he's going to know uh, what college they went to, right? So uh, let's give him a couple right off the bat. So uh, easy one, Jameis Winston, where'd he attend school? Florida State, who hired a new head coach today in Willie Taggart. That's a lot of information. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I stay on top of it. <laughs> where did uh, Cooper Cup go? Eastern Washington, where they have red turf as their field. Oh, like yeah. Fresno State? Does don't Fresno? A, I don't I think Fresno, Fresno State does. How about Jerome Simpson? Come on, I had to give you like a really obtuse that, one. Right? I mean, yeah, that's a tough one. I don't. <laughs> I think his is somewhere. You you know who he is, right? Oh yeah, uh, Pl- played on the Bengals. Receiver played on Bengals, Vikings, and um, the Dolphins, I think, or Forty ers uh, maybe. Yeah, ended with the 49ers. But he did nothing with them. Yeah. I mean, was he like Grambling or Georgia State or somewhere small like Coastal that? Coastal Carolina. Right part of the country, wrong team. Yeah, yep. I, knew, I knew it was a small school. I just didn't remember where. Hey, it's a good day if I stump you, but hey, if I'm pulling out guys <laughs> like Jerome Simpson, the only reason people know him is not the college he went to, but did the... Did a backflip on the field or whatever. That, or was it a front flip? I don't that know. and being busted multiple it, times with like marijuana being delivered to his house in bulk and like well, 10 Sam, pounds. Sam Heard from NIU and then the Bears, same thing. <laughs> any, other, any other ones you want to try and see if I can where redeem did, myself? Uh, where did Nick Foles go? Oh, Nick Foles. Uh, well, originally... Well, there are two uh, colleges here. He started at Michigan State, but he ended up at Cal. Okay. Uh, I have Arizona State listed. Oh here. no, no Arizona, not Arizona State. Arizona. I have, I have, I have Arizona State, Michigan State, University of Arizona. Arizona is the one I should. Did you know? Because apparently Herm Edwards didn't. That the Devils are the <laughs> what, what? The Arizona. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve from Devils Digest. Devils Digest. <laughs> Dev- Whoa! Be careful around them Devils. <laughs> I'm Catholic. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm aware. I <laughs> hope he was joking. I really do. Because that would be a great so that would be a great move to introduce yourself to the uh, to the media. Oh, yeah, that's Nick, great! I'm disappointed that I went I went uh, 
to Cal instead of Arizona, but Foles was definitely Arizona. All right. Well, we both stumped him. We uh, Mich- we win Michigan, this round. I did get Michigan State. Right? He Michigan started State Michigan was right. State and went to Arizona. Okay, so let's talk about uh, some of these rookie situations. Uh, one I'm pulling out. Uh, is, well, before we do that, I'm going to grab a bomber. Yes. And uh, and this bomber I picked up is from Illuminated Brew Works. Illuminated Brew Works is local to Chicago. We just talked to someone tonight, and they told us that the brewery was somewhere around the south side on the U.S. Cellular or something like that. Uh, this place has these amazing uh, labels for the beers. Really cool. This one's called uh, Gagaga, just like ga- uh, Galaga. So Gagaga uh, with with <laughs> uh, some Space Invaders. So video game kind of beer. 8% by volume, double dry hop, double India Pale Ale. And, uh, and they say, with three friends you trust, burn incense and sit in a circle cross-legged and chant repeatedly, Gagaga, Gagaga. <laughs> you know what's funny is Illuminated Brew Works is actually technically on the north side of, of Madison anyways. So you must have been talking to some real northsiders for them to be like, eh, it's on the south side. Yeah, probably, probably <laughs> the case. Yeah, I also had a, I had a bomber from them the other day that was called Fruit Slave and the label looked like Fruit Stripe Gum. Just uh, as another example of how they what they do. It's the yummy fruity one, Sean. It was. I mean, it was a double IPA, but it was still yeah, it had some fruit flavor to it. Awesome. All right, eight percent on this one. We'll right. pass this guy around and we'll start uh, talking about the rookies situation. So starting off with the Green Bay running back situation, we have two rookies. After Ty Montgomery got injured, the running back uh, uh, situation became Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Jones has been performing better overall in most cases than Williams. However, Williams has been really hot the past couple games, doing extremely well, uh, and has that volume. So what happens with them over the next few weeks, especially considering that Rodgers is slated to come back weeks 15 and 16? We don't know for sure that he will, but that's still kind of in the cards there that he'll be there for 15-16. So my questions are, who's better, Jones or Williams? If you have uh, Williams, should you start him? Um, and does Rogers interfere or change uh, that outlook? So the answer to all of your questions is yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I think as far as I, th- I think Jones is a more dynamic player than Williams. I like Williams. I, I like what he's done the last couple of weeks. I do think Jones is more dynamic and can do more things yep. than Williams. Um, I do like Jamal Williams for at least one more week. Uh, I do like him this week against Cleveland. I think he's the guy you want to play if you're going to play either of those guys. And I would say you should play him if you have him. And with Hundley out there, they're probably focusing on the run game a little bit to keep him more consistent, right? They are going to run the ball a lot more consistently and more often with Hundley on the field than with with Rodgers. I expect... As Jones gets healthier, because he clearly wasn't fully healthy, or he would have played more. He had more than one touch last. Correct. Week. He was active, but he only played the one touch. I the one touch was really important. But he scored the winning touchdown. But I think he was more of an emergency back if something happened to Williams than mm-hmm. anything else, because Williams handled pretty much every running back touch before that point. Yep. I think Williams still sees the majority of the touches this week, but as Jones gets healthier, he works more and more in. And when Rodgers comes back. They don't run nearly as much with Rodgers on the field, and Jones is a better receiving back. So the, the guy with the better pass protection will then be the guy who, who plays more often then, right? Rodgers doesn't probably, need that much I, pass protection, I, let's be honest. I also, he does after breaking his collarbone again. I think He needs sack protection. I think Jones being the better receiver will become more of a factor when Rodgers is back than he will be this week with without Rodgers. I think okay. 
play Jamal Williams this week, but if you have Williams and Jones is available, expect Scoop his Jones expect to, his volume to seed yeah. to Jones. That's smart. Yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Williams against Cleveland, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Dede Westbrook, does he come on even more towards the end of the season, or is he just a guy for dynasty and to look at for 2018 when you may or may not have Allen Robinson and guys like Marquise Lee and uh, and Allen Hearns may fade away for for. Uh, uh, them to turn to a new guy like Westbrook. So what's your outlook on him specifically for the fantasy playoffs in the next three weeks? Um, I actually like Dede Westbrook a lot. Um, I don't know that all their matches one more trade. I think they get the Titans one more time, and I think that's probably the best matchup he's got left. Um, obviously, the Seahawks this week with without Sherman and without Cam Chancellor is a game where he can do some damage. Um, they get the Texans next week. That's not too bad. Oh, the Texans. I'm sorry. Yeah, the Texans is a great spot then for Day Day. Yeah. But what's, I mean, the last three weeks since he's been active, what's he average? Eight or nine targets a game? Uh, he certainly, you know. I mean, he had, I know. Just he like had, Corey Davis, he was getting thrown the ball a lot, even though he wasn't turning it into much work. He was, well, the, thing, the difference is, though, he was still catching more than half of them, whether or not he's putting up big yardage okay. numbers or not, he's yeah. catching the ball. Uh, the Davis ones, I think some of those have been, you know, throwaways and targets where he was covered and just a lot of things just wasn't going to work in his favor. You want to see the targets for these rookies because the production will come if they're good. They need the targets for the production to I, come. I sure, think, six targets to start, ten last week, nine or ten two weeks ago, nine last week. This is so, a good so trend. So something yeah. around eight in terms of his average. And I think Westbrook is actually. I mean, he's clearly better than Keelan Cole. I think he's also at least on par with Marquise Lee, if not better. So I think if, if you're targeting anyone... Well, of course, Marquise that, Lee is the third guy there. Yeah. No, I 100% believe that Day-Day Westbrook is the best receiver to have. No, Marquise Lee's actually been the number one. Well, I kind of... Okay, he has with been the, the injury, one. With, with Allen Robinson out, with Allen Hearns and there's, out. And there's no imminent return coming from No, Hearns. Lee has always been the number one. Hearns was never the number one on that team. Well, Robinson was. Absolutely. Robinson yeah. is way better than any of them, so... Yeah. So I would say yes, I love Westbrook going forward. But I would I would I would doubt that Robinson will still be on the Jaguars next year. So this is a very good beer. Do you like it? So yeah, that, I'm enjoying it. So this is a double dry hop, double Indian IPA, which is I think one of uh, Jason's do you, do you favorite. Just want some more foam brands it's ever? The, right? Even the foam is delicious. Uh, let's talk about Elvin Kamara. So does he take over the job next year? Uh, and that's a little bit more of a dynasty focused question. Obviously, we know that you're going to play him every single game for the rest of the season. Even if he's out, you're still going to play him because he's going to score you 17 points. He's like a Jamal Charles this year. It's fantastic. <laughs> even if he's out, he's going to score 17 points. Yeah, yeah he could that. be on the bench and still score a touchdown somehow. It's ridiculous. But I'm curious because uh, Mark Ingram might not even be on that team. Uh, next year, this could be a situation where Peyton's looking to go as far as he can and then maybe blow things up. Uh, but if it's not the case, uh, this thunder and lightning relationship that Kamara and Ingram have is working out for everyone. So, is he going to be the number one running back in the fantasy playoffs? Go. I don't see how you can say that he won't. I mean, he's been the number one running back in, in all of fantasy for the last five weeks. And he was number four the other week. Yeah, the competition is not really there for Kamara. He's he's just killing it. So let's look at it. You know, I mean, you the, can, the, the, Kamara has to go to Atlanta and then play the Jets and then play Atlanta again. So he has to play the same team twice in two weeks. And that team's not very good against running backs. Okay, that's that's fair. But the one guy who I think could do better than him is Todd Gurley, who has done better than him all year. Uh, but he has to play Philadelphia and then go to Seattle and play Tennessee. So, so said, maybe in the championship he can. 
play better, but I like Kamara at least the next two weeks. Well, you said com- that Gurley's been better than Kamara all year. Well, yeah, total points, but again, in the last five weeks... Yeah, if you look at, like... Kamara has been the number yeah, one yeah, running back totally. four times, totally. and number four the other week. And you're right about Gurley, but when you look at going into the playoffs, you have to look at more recent trends and not the whole year. So I think Kamara is the number one guy, period, for the rest of the year. Uh, Gurley is certainly number two, number three, like somewhere up there. Yeah, though. And, and I'll say this amazing. for Kamara: his ta- he's he's a special talent. He's like the only guy who could maybe be better than Kamara. yeah, sure, sure. One one thing I want to add on Kamara: he's a special talent and a guy. Obviously, you want to have in dynasty. But one word of caution: I don't know how a word many, of caution. Folks. I don't know how many years Drew Brees continues to be the quarterback, and I don't know how many years beyond Drew Brees Sean Payton wants to coach that team. Well, exactly. It's and if, gonna... you, if you lose that coaching staff. I don't know that Kamara gets used in a way that allows him to put up the. And not only that, but up. the reason that they're doing so well is not just because they are really good, because they are. They're both really good players, Ingram and Kamara. But you have to have that Drew Brees, that triple threat, uh, in order for the box not to be stacked against you every time. And I heard people on the radio and, and several different places, podcasts, radio shows, talking about like, why don't they just stack the box against Kamara and Ingram, and you know they won't have any problems. I'm like, well, you guys have no idea what you're talking. <laughs> have you heard about. of Drew Brees? He'll Drew, throw 400 Drew, yards and four touchdowns Drew on Brees you. Went, Drew Brees is went, one of the, like, the five <laughs> best quarterbacks who have ever played football. This looks like a team that could like magically you know win the Super Bowl this yeah. year in and, some weird circumstance. And even without Brandon Cooks, you still have Michael Thomas. You still have Ted Ginn. Who's Their team is awesome. You still have Willie Sneed, who hasn't been used, but we've seen what he can do when he is. Yeah, he's had years where he was one of the best receivers they, out there in fantasy. Most importantly, yeah. maybe their defense is playing way better than it has. It's yeah. they're not great, That's but they're the playing so difference. much better. There That's is the yeah. there's some they've kind improved of, to a slightly above average defense. What we've decided is there's some kind of voodoo magic that's propelling New Orleans. Hey, to that's the, a total Nolans <laughs> thing, dude. <laughs> All right, Kareem Hunt exploded to begin the season after the initial fumble, of course, but after the first several games, his output really declined. Where they will they be able to get him back involved in the game? We talked about this a little bit earlier, but we didn't touch directly on Kareem Hunt. So I want Sean from uh, his uh, you know, rookie and college experience to tell us why it is that Kareem Hunt did so well and then so poorly and whether that will change or more likely, in my opinion, just continue throughout the rest of the season. Um, I, I agree with you that I think he's going to struggle to get, I mean, I don't think he's at any point going to get back to what he was doing at the beginning of the year. Um, the one thing that I will say is I think he's got to find the end zone at least one more time this year. Yeah. But I think the bigger problem with him is going to be that they're not using him enough in the second half of games. They run with him early uh, in the scripted part, as you guys had mentioned earlier, of the game plan. And then after that, he becomes an afterthought. And if you don't use him, he's not going to kind of get you know, wear down the defense and get himself So going. one of those backs that needs to have 20 carries to be amazing? I don't know about 20, but you have to keep the defense... Uh, you know, you have to keep using it here and there to get. It the can't be nine down. carries. Exactly. And maybe he just needs to play really good teams. Those first two games were against New England and Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember the last time he had 15 carries in a game. Well, what you see is what develops uh, week 11. What usually oh, develops that, with that, with most with most rookies that that have like ridiculous uh, output is that the tape comes out on them and the teams figure them out and they they become a little bit farther back to average. Um, I don't know if that's what happened with Kareem or if the play calling and the game scheming just changed. Well, I mean, you watch you watch film of his carries, and it seems like the defense is in the backfield before he's got the ball in his hands. I mean, they just it seems like they've something's not quite working with their line, not quite working with the offense in general. Um, and anytime Andy Reid has had a running back who is the full time guy, he's been a very very good running back. Yeah, yeah. 
And so it's just been frustrating to watch them. I mean, so there's something not clicking. That's all. Give the guy Brian Westbrook usage. Get him. But, get him doing what Reed has done with some of the other all-purpose. But you're saying you're saying continue to bench Kareem unless you really have no one better because he's not going to well, have an output. I, I shouldn't. I don't say automatically bench him. I think he's still like a flex play depending on what your other options are. Oh, that's tough. He's still putting. When you up, call somebody a flex play, it means like they're not yeah. really that. Well, good. here's the thing: if you're in a full P- <laughs> if you're in a full PPR league, he's going to get three or four catches a game and put up sixty to seventy yards in good and decent matchups at least. Okay. So against the Raiders, that's what I'd expect ten plus points. But he PPR. went from like the number one guy to like someone that you should probably put in if you have a deep league. So someone who you're happy if you traded him. Yeah, that's too probably bad. got a lot of good value. Down the stretch, which other guys may be great as spot fills for your playoff team? Uh, talking about guys like uh, you mentioned Kaiser earlier. So, so shoot off a couple dudes that you think uh, could be good in the playoffs as spot plays uh, if you if you have nobody or if your matchups are a little weak. All right, so let's. I'm going to go really quickly position by position. Quarterback Kaiser is my guy. Um, good fantasy quarterback, not a good NFL he's, quarterback. He's had three or four. <laughs> he's had he's had Tyrod Taylor. I forget if it's three or four or four or five, but he's had some pretty like th- either three of the last four or four of the last five games. He's been a top top eighteen or top twenty quarterback somewhere in that range. Okay, he's been producing. If you're in a two quarterback league or in a, a you know fourteen team or deeper league, he's absolutely a streamer option. Yeah, um, especially against Green Bay, who's had a really bad secondary. Um, so he's a guy in, in the he always pads his numbers with the rushing stats. Um, so I would definitely throw him out there at, at quarterback. Um, Especially with the poor matchup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's got a really good one this week. Um, at the running back position, uh, this is a tough one to really find sleepers because most of the big-name guys are pretty well-known and guys who have been producing all year. Um, a couple of quick, real deep names to throw out. Tyon Green of the Detroit Lions. Uh, looked pretty good as the, the early down back with Amir Abdullah out last week. If Amir Abdullah is out again this week, Green could be a good sleeper for deep leagues because the Bucks are a terrible defense. Okay. Um, great opportunity to, to you know get a steal in real deep leagues. Um, wide receiver, uh, we mentioned Day-Day Westbrook. I think Westbrook's a name, obviously, that, that jumps out at you. Um, you know, if you go a little bit deeper again, because this is another position where there's not it's just there hasn't been a lot of production among the top guys. Um, so you almost have to dig a little deeper. I do think there's maybe one more strong week out of Josh Reynolds. He had one good week out of two. But this week he gets another not great pass defense, uh, I believe. Right? Who do the Rams get this week? Help me they're playing the Seahawks. Oh, never mind. They're actually a pretty strong pass defense. Or no, no. They're playing the Eagles. Okay, the Eagles. The Eagles have, play the Rams, and the Rams play the Seahawks next week. The Eagles have been a little bit vulnerable to the pass, um, so I think we saw it last week. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a chance that Reynolds bounces back and has a good game. And I, yeah, but the Eagles' pass rush was amazing last week, and it was it took Russell Wilson, the greatest escape artist in the NFL right now, to beat it. Yeah, he had to run backwards Jared every Goff play. He's going to be the, running 30 yards in the backfield. Another, another <laughs> name to mention for this week is Zay Jones. I know he's been bad. He's been inefficient. But against the Colts, who have lost, like I think it's three of their starting Well, plus Kelvin Benjamin backs. coming back and putting a little less pressure on him. Yeah. Because Jordan Matthews is on IR now. I think I love Zay Jones for this week. And Tyrod kind of got the message, throw the ball to the wide receivers guy. Well, I think I think It's Nate, tough for well, a quarterback to understand that, isn't Ty, it? Tyrod also suffered an ankle <laughs> and a knee injury. I expect Nate Peterman to start this week oh Oh. nathan peterman yes all right let's move on rookie running backs have been really outperforming wide receivers in this draft class this particular season oh go ahead if you have something else there's there's two tight ends i really wanted to mention list them off man uh 
David Njoku, Ricky Seals-Jones. Just wanted to throw those two names out there. Njoku's finally playing over 50% of the snaps. They're hitting And with it. those wide receivers on the outside, he's going to get a lot we, less Which one of those attention. guys do you like the most to replace Gronk? For this particular week? Ricky yep, Seals-Jones. You need it for week 14. Seals-Jones is a better matchup. Yep. Okay. Uh, I would say Seals-Jones. Uh, right. And I love both. I mean, obviously, Njoku's probably owning your Dynasty League. If, if Seals-Jones is not, stash him. The problem is Njoku's on Cleveland. I think he's addressing specifically my dynasty team at the moment. No, no, I, I have Seals Jones and in Joe. No, but I have I have Gronkowski league. in the dynasty. <laughs> I have both of those guys in the dynasty league. Yeah, okay, the guys well, I mentioned. We we, <laughs> we we talk week after week this particular season about how the wide receivers have been performing at a lower level than we're used to, whereas the running backs are are doing better. And throughout the season, there have been some injuries, but not a ton. So is this the same thing you're seeing with the running backs? And is it something that we can uh, we can use to inform us in future drafts going forward, looking into the draft for 2018, 2019, not just for dynasty leagues, but for all leagues? Are running backs going to be performing wide receivers at a higher level in the short term? And why is that? So I think for next year, I think the trend continues. I think you see more rookie running backs that are productive than rookie receivers. But I feel like the last couple of seasons, I think it's been more of a anomaly. Um, there have been a lot of really, really good running backs that have come into the league in the last two years. And there have been a lot of injured receivers that were drafted early. I think a lot of those injuries, when you look at Kevin White and Brashad Perriman and... Um, I mean, even Laquan Treadwell was injured to start the year last year. There's been a lot of early draft picks that have been hurt. Yeah, Corey Davis with the hamstring this year. Those uh, those I injuries mean, have been tough. Yeah, it's it's created a. It, it's, it's kind of tradition going all the way back to like Odell was hurt his first four weeks when he was a rookie. Yeah, but Odell came on and put up a crazy rookie year. Yeah, Nobody this sweet. year has put up a crazy rookie that year. That won a lot of championships. Day Day Westbrook missed the first what twelve weeks of the season. I mean. So you're saying it's probably going to continue. It's likely to continue going forward. So watch out for that. Yeah. Don't don't draft a lot of rookie wide receivers going forward to be starting necessarily, unless you're really going to be hitting on those guys that are that are just like superstars uh, athletically and otherwise. Yeah, and and again, the, there's the, always the big question mark was can a running back pass protect? And I feel like the the teams have found ways to get guys involved even if they can't in the last couple of years. Okay, well we'll continue to uh, to pay attention to Sean on Twitter. What's your handle? Just at Sean underscore Foss, and Sean is S H A W N. So uh, at Sean underscore Foss on Twitter, and watch out for the Ricky report from Sean later this week. Some about that scotch, huh? <laughs> All right, guys and girls. So I'm going to go over real quickly the waiver wire picks from our good friend and contributor Jim Hutchins on drink5.com. Uh, we have the Green Bay Packers, good streaming defense possible. If there's other players or other defenses that aren't available, they go up against the Browns, who are giving up the most fantasy points to opposing defenses. Ricky Seals-Jones, 28% owned. If you're in need for a streaming option, he's probably the guy uh, for this week. And if people didn't pick him up last week, a lot of people did. He's probably still available on the wire in, in uh, 50, 60, 70% of leagues. 
Mike Davis on Seattle, I don't know if you guys saw the game, but Mike Davis did really well. Lacey and Rawls are pretty much afterthoughts in that offense now, and it looks like Davis should be the number one guy. 64 of, whole yards for him. Of course, Chris, famous last words saying that you know the Seattle running back situation. And, and Chris Carson may be back in a week. <laughs> Next you'll be telling me what Belichick's going to do. Yeah, but, but the Jaguars' defense uh, is allowing a lot of running back yards, not a lot of passing yards, but 115 rushing yards per game. I'd so, love what's the split, though, since they acquired Marcel Darius. It's a lot lower since they got Darius. Hey, fair enough. I'm, I'm looking at season-long It's really stats, that hey. the Bills have done a lot worse. They've done a lot <laughs> worse. It's not good. Giovanni Bernard is a, is a good pickup in case you think that Joe Mixon won't be able to make it on the short week. Uh, Bernard is a great running back who we've talked about for years, and one of the only reasons why he was kind of cut out of this whole equation is because Joe Mixon is better on paper. Uh, but if Joe Mixon is not playing, Bernard is the number one guy. There's no competition on that team. Right. Jeremy Hill, I believe, is on IR. Yeah, right? I think so. Marquise so, Goodwin, the number one pickup, uh, 32% owned. He continues to put up solid performances after catching all eight of his targets for 99 yards last week. And it's just going really well with the Goodwin and Garoppolo romance. I Yeah, I mean, uh, him and also uh, Trent Taylor, their slot receiver. Both Goodwin and Taylor both are good pickups. Taylor for deeper leagues. Good win for pretty much any league. Um, yeah, yep. Garoppolo's great. He gets the ball out quick, uh, and, and his receivers are catching him. He's putting him right on him. Okay, and uh, of course we we also have a uh, another column that Jason himself right over here writes, That's and uh, it's called Statistically Insignificant, and he writes one every week. I don't have time to uh, to go over the whole thing, but I wanted you to just give a highlight of one stat that you think is really cool uh, that happened this previous week, and I encourage all you guys out there to go to drink5.com to read the rest. Sure, we actually covered pretty much everything that I talk about in the article in depth, but the the stat that was really cool is that Alex Smith is the first player in the Super Bowl era to have a passing play and rushing play of at least 70 yards in the same game. Um, oh, yeah, 70-yard rush. And if you miss that game, <laughs> you need to go to the article and view the gif of Marcus Peters throwing the Shit flag into the stands, which which got that guy a million selfies with a ton of strangers, the guy who caught it. And Marcus Peters did not uh, get ejected or even penalized. Well, he got penalized. I but think he got ejected. No, he did not get okay. ejected because he came back. He just walked and back. And he was taking his like he was taking his equipment off because he thought he was out. Everybody was telling him that he needed. Hey, come back, come back. Um, but he wasn't <laughs> listening, and like he was being escorted out by someone on his own team. Yeah. Uh, so he thought he was out, and they got him back out on the field, and he wasn't wearing his socks. Wow. And I don't know if he ended up playing in the game again because it was really late in the game. I have no idea why that happened. It's so bizarre. It was a really weird thing, yeah. But that was a fun game my, to watch. My caused my cleats, that's why. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> it was so many uh, – there, there was a lot of points in that game. And as, a, as someone who's a fan of fantasy more than anything else, I love games like that. I have no idea how to read this new beer, but it's called Brewdew Harvest Ale. It says it glorifies American hops. It is brewed using fresh green wet hops picked right from the vine and put into beer vats from vine to brew house in one day. And they use the best American malt that money can buy. It's it's It looks crazy. It's a Three Floyds beer. Uh, it's called It's Not Normal. It's the Brew Dew. <laughs> it's not normal. So we'll see how that is in a little bit. But I want to do the over-under here, which is our bet that we traditionally do each week. We've done a great job so far of writing down all those bets and, and cashing in a bunch of them. We have a lot to go. And Jason, if we you'll just, just cashed in one a uh, few hours, an hour. Ago. If you'll just touch on the the, the previous bet and uh, what went on. Oh, the previous bet was interesting. We had our good buddy Matt Ellis here last week. 
Uh, we talked about Alex Smith. We set his line at 15. He went way over that. He more than doubled it, and I lost because of it. Uh, <laughs> but thankfully, I started him in a league, so I don't care. Uh, Julio Jones, he was at 11. I was insistent that he would stay under. Way under. Way under his right. Kareem Hunt at 7.5. Squeaked in at 6.5. Dave and I hit that under. And then Evan Ingram was at 6.1. I was being sneaky. Will he score a touchdown? He certainly did. Uh, 15.9 is way higher than 6.1. Dave, way to go. You aced the week. You know, uh, a, a lot of times for me this this year, it's been like I get everything or nothing. <laughs> right. And so uh, this one isn't necessarily a winner. There is just a loser uh, for this week. And uh, Matt had the tiebreaker of Geno Smith passing yards. I was taking the under on that one for sure. Uh, so I will be at our draft uh, you know, next year wearing a shirt with the likeness of Dave and Matt on it. So yes. they're going to have to get together to take a photo at some point over the next couple months, and then I'll get it put on a T-shirt. Or we could combine two photos or whatever, but it's going to be fun to see you wearing that T-shirt. Right. Send me a, send me something to put on the T-shirt, I, and I will I will that. send you a high-quality JPEG for that shit. And I'm going to get the cheapest printing option possible. Oh. <laughs> All right. Put us in, like, black and white with, right. like, pixel art. Exactly. All right. So the over-under this particular week, we have five guys we're going to go somewhat quickly. I'm going to start off... Uh, but anybody can can pick up where I'm leaving off. Uh, and, and Sean, you've done this before, but the way that it works, just to go over it quickly, is that you're going to start on the first one. We'll rotate clockwise on all of the following picks, the consecutive ones. And uh, what will happen is that you're going to say, well, both. You're, you're going to say uh, whether it be over or under. If everyone says over, it will move up by a point. If everyone says under, it'll move down by a point. Uh, and such and such going forward. Um, and if... If everything goes well, uh, I will win. But regardless, the <laughs> the person who wins this bet is going to be gifted uh, a a beer of their choice from uh, a brewery um, that we're going to pick later. A new brewery in Chicago that none of us have been to. Perhaps Illuminated Brewing, because I they have say a trip to the brewery is in order. So in trip sense. trip to the brewery. And uh, the losers have to buy the winner a beer of their choice and a t-shirt from that brewery. If t-shirts are not available, then some other form of merchandise or alcohol that's available at that brewery. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does everyone agree to the terms? That sounds fun. I, I agreed. Wonderful. So let's do Illuminated unless uh, for some reason we can't. Um, or we decide otherwise. Over <laughs> under, Russell Wilson hasn't scored less than 19 points in a standard league since week five. That's quite an amazing stat for a quarterback this year. In Jacksonville, he's, he's going up against the league's best passing defense statistically, so can he keep it up and score 19 or more fantasy points this week? You get to decide, over or under. I think the rushing yardage that he brings puts him over. I think he does it. I think he's, there's something special about Russell. He finds a way to get over. Jacksonville is giving up 9.6 points per game to opposing quarterbacks. I know they are. That's crazy. I know they're good. I, know they're good. I will also go over. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll go over, too? Oh, you're a jerk. Bringing Dave. it to 20 points. So, Sean, back to you. 20 oh. points, Russell Wilson. I don't like having to go higher, but I'm going to go over again. <laughs> oh, man. It's Russell hard was... to put Russell down, isn't it? Yeah. it As someone who's owned him the last him couple of years and then not this year, it should be easier for me to do that. Oh, it's oh. hard. It's hard. He has only scored below 20 points once since the bye. It was 19.42. I go over. Um, I'll go over again. That's 21 points to Sean. All right. 
Alex, since you guys seem to always just want to keep going over, I'm, I gotta go under at this point. All right. Please keep going over so I can at least just have <laughs> the separator being under on this. This is 21 now? 21 points. I'm going to stay over just because I. they're going to be down in the game probably. You're going to have to throw the ball. So we're staying at 21. We know that. I'll go under with Sean and say Jacksonville uh, is going to hold him to uh, to 21. To, tw- to under 21. 20.5. Yeah. <laughs> Still, uh, you, you guys should totally give me twenty one point zero. We're right there. We're right there. Uh, you're you're up next. So Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake, of course, uh, running back for the Miami Dolphins. Damian Williams should still be out in Week fourteen, according to uh, the beat reporters that I've been following. Drake has done well and shown himself to be a competent full time guy at the position. Going up against New England, uh, can he put up nine or more fantasy points in a standard league? Uh, just last week, he had 20-something. But he's had games where he didn't perform well. Most of those games were the ones he didn't have touches in. But a lot of this is going to depend on the Miami offense. Can you trust them? Is it okay? Are they going to be in the game? So, Jason, nine points or more, Kenyon Drake. Um, I'm going to have to go under. It's against the... I, I, you know, It's at home, but it's against the Patriots. I go under. I'll go over on Kenyon. I'm going to go under as well. So nine. Dave is over, and I'm under. I, I, so got a good, I got a good feeling about the Patriots, especially after they held Buffalo to three points last week. Oh, you have a good feeling about the Patriots? That's, <laughs> that's They're they're good when they play garbage teams, and the Dolphins are a garbage team. Um, I may have to give you some additional beer here. So is there anything <laughs> left in here? Yeah, there's some. Okay. I need to rinse this glass out anyways. Fair enough. So uh, we yeah, have... There's, there's some residue in the bottom of that last beer. And that happens a lot. You know, you just rinse it out and you move on to the next one. You, you rinse and move on. Is that the... Are we done with that one? Yeah. So Adam Thielen. Thielen has been uh, sleeping over at Case Keenum's house for quite a while this year. But he's also seen a decline... Did they just become best friends? <laughs> he's seen a decline in production over the last four weeks. So standard scoring league... Uh, the the production that he's had uh, 22.6, 18.3, 8.9, 5.1. Every single week has gone down. Uh, you can say that is for a number of reasons, but going up against a Panthers defense, which is uh, used to be great, is probably now just slightly above average. Can Thielen get back on track with nine or more fantasy points? Nine or more fantasy points. That's, to me, I think Thielen will, and I, I say over. Sean didn't go first yet. He went first. I went first on the first one. Oh, oh, my bad. So nine to me, I say over, Sean. Um, I'm gonna agree and say over as well. Yeah, I think Thielen definitely can go over nine points. Brings it to ten, and I'm gonna say over ten. Standard scoring. What's the name of the opponent again? They're Carolina. Playing in Carolina. I'm gonna go under ten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so our line is ten. I'm gonna go over. All right. So Dave's over. I'm over, and Sean is under. That's Sean, a separator for me right there, guys. You've only gone Hey-o. under. Uh, you've gone under on everything so far. Ooh. Dave and I have two it. overs each. I feel good about the unders. Want to go over. You want to go Cameron under. Great, please. Uh, Brayton has good chemistry with Winston, but not Fitzpatrick. When Fitzpatrick was filling in for Winston, he did terribly. Now Jameis is back at the helm, and Brayton just scored a bunch of touchdowns last week. Scored a bunch of fantasy points and got some people who still believed in him uh, or picked him up because he was back with that chemistry and propelled them into the next round or a bye. So good for you guys. I didn't believe in Brayton. Apparently it was completely about the quarterback, and I didn't even realize that could be... 
that strong of a connection. <laughs> so uh, going up against the Detroit Lions team stuck in the pit of misery. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. Sorry, Detroit. You're I know. Just... I, I hate to say dilly dilly against the Lions because I do like. They're them. literally in the pit of misery right now, drinking Miller Lite. Um, oh, that's what makes it the pit of misery. It's Bud Light. No, it's, but it's Bud Light. Well, that also is what makes it the pit of misery. You guys know the point of the commercial is that pit of misery is where the people that drink craft beers go. No, well, the, the, anyone goes. Anyone that's a criminal. They, remember the other guys in the second commercial. The commercial's like a Get bu- out to go get Bud Light and come back. He escapes the prison and comes back. With Bud Light, it's a Bud Light commercial. The, the guy brings the you bring like a craft beer to the to the party, and they put you in the no, pit of misery. No, that guy, and that Just guy that is guy. the he's even ostracized in the pit of misery. <laughs> okay, so Brait, will he keep up his production from last week's almost sixteen points in standard scoring to score eight or more fantasy points in this matchup? Um, that is on Jason. Uh, Cameron Brait, you know, even with Jameis, uh, I don't. He likes Jameis Winston, that's for sure. Um, I'm going to go under eight, though. I just don't see it. I'm going to go over and say he scores a touchdown again. I'm going to continue to say under. Fair enough. Four straight. Give me something I can say over to, Jason. Let's see what the fifth one is. Why don't you read this one, Jay? So, Robbie Anderson, my fucking favorite guy this year. (laughs) He's taking the place of Cecil Shorts in my heart right now. Not that Cecil will ever go away, but he's not an active player anymore. So, Robbie Anderson... This guy. He works well with others named McCown. We'll be honest there. Uh, he scores more than 10 fantasy points in a standard league each week since week 8 against Atlanta. The Jets this week are going to play Denver um, in Denver. And we're going to set the line at 9 fantasy points. Uh, so who goes first on this one? Uh, back to me, I think, right? Robbie Anderson at 9 points at Denver, Dave. With the high flying Macau. No, I think that's Jason. Actually, over. I I can't go over fast enough on him. I'll go over as well for Robbie Anderson. We're taking it up a point. Yeah. All right, ten points (laughs) over. Um, I'll go over again on Robbie Anderson. Eleven, it is. Uh, You guys are just gonna see right through me on this one. I'm gonna go over. He's hoping for twenty over there. Um, so that's uh, it's gonna be eleven next. It is eleven now. So twelve next. I'll go over again in standard. I'll also say over at 11. Okay. Uh, I like 12. I like him despite Akib Tlaib being back from suspension. I, yeah. like, I think Tlaib yeah. leaves him alone. Anderson's going to get 100 yards and a touchdown, guys. Over. So that's 13 now? No, we're at 12. You you all still have to go. As soon as I go over, is it so just assumed that you're both going to go so over? So that's 25? Just to keep pushing it? 26? <laughs> <laughs> we're, at, we're at 12. To we're you. at 12. I See, s- Dave has to be careful that Sean doesn't. Screw him on it. I still think it's over 12. I'm also going to say over. We're up to 13. 13 points for Robbie Anderson. <laughs> I'm going to go over. His line is sitting here with like uh, 90 and a touchdown, which is four, or 15 points. It is 15 points. So I'm going to go over again. And this is where I bow out. And say, ah, I'm yes. under on all five, and I hate to do that, but I can't <laughs> keep going up on Robbie hey, Anderson. I gave you one to go over on. Fair enough. Over, over, under. Unders across the board. Screw these five guys. Okay, and uh, we have to have a tiebreaker. We decided on one earlier. Do you guys remember what that is? I, I did not. I do not know what it is. 
I remember one that was rejected. I don't remember what the one we actually went with was. Okay, I believe we're doing Kareem Hunt scrimmage yards. Yes, that's. And so think about it for just a moment. And what we're gonna do is uh, is Jason's favorite and shout it out at the same time. You came up with the idea. Yeah, but then I decided I didn't like it. <laughs> so well, once the idea is out there, you don't get to decide that all the time. So let's let's uh, have a, a moment of silence here for us to just kind of figure out what we're gonna say. So that's all-purpose yards. Kareem Hunt this week. What's the matchup again? Oakland. Yeah, so versus Oakland, he should have a good matchup. On paper, it should be good for him. Oakland's defense is, looks like a really old Swiss cheese where it started to evaporate and there's not really anything left. Um, and I think I know what I'm going for. I think I got it. Okay, so why don't we all just shout it out uh, whenever you guys are ready. Uh, someone will count uh, three, two, one, and then we'll say the number. Ready? Three, two, one. Twelve. 89. All right, so... Dave's 12, I'm 95, <laughs> Sean is 89. He's not happy with that. 12, you said. 12. What an asshole. I uh, No, I'm fine with that. I mean, I, if he gets above halfway between me and Dave, well, that's the I thing. basically win. Unless when you're going to play above. the – I've done that before on over-under stuff. And when you're going to play the under, you need to still bet something so that you can cover more ground. But yeah, Dave, Dave, I think screwed himself with twelve. Well, we're likely not going to need the tiebreaker yeah, with five. Yeah, the tiebreaker usually doesn't come down. That's still, that's still. But it could. I, I should have said were, nine because I like I nine. Would, I'm going to call Kareem Hunt and tell him how disrespected <laughs> he should feel by you. Oh yeah, you're going to call Kareem Hunt. I don't have his. Well, number. you can tweet Kareem Hunt. I don't have his number. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I, I want to thank you, uh, Sean, for joining us tonight. And uh, any, anything else you guys want to bring up uh, towards the end of the podcast here? Uh, we're about as towards as we can get. Spay and neuter your pets. I'm, no, I'm sorry. That's, not, that's <laughs> Wrong way show. off. Wrong show. Thank Wrong. you, Mr. Barker. We appreciate Wrong that. Wrong show. Does Drew Carey still say that? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think he does. Oh God, that Probably just out of respect for the Barker. Uh, I would what a s- weird like call out. <laughs> Someone has to tell people it to came, do it. It came into mind. I don't know. Uh, check out the rookie report uh, on Drink Five. Uh, It'll be forthcoming you, in the next. If there's days. any, if there's any rookies you have in your lineup, you're not sure what to do with. Check out the report. I at least will give you some stats that hopefully will give you some direction. Even if you don't agree with my conclusions, the numbers will hopefully point you in one direction. It is maybe the, the most you know expansive rookie report you're going to find of like every rookie every week fantasy value for sure. So, again, thank you very much. Uh, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere you can find us. We are there. And uh, you'll be able to see us for the next couple of weeks. Uh, drink5.com. Thanks, guys. Cheers.